0: Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's the slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support.
1: Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, joined as always by Chris Kottner. How are you doing, Chris? Wonderfully, thank you. Wonderfully, it's Friday. And Riley Fessler, how are you doing? Also wonderfully. What's happening in the world today, Chris?
0: Um, So the GOP had their, uh, I guess, town hall um, last night on CNN. The GOP candidates that qualified for that were DeSantis and uh, Nikki Haley. I don't know what else to say about that story. Now... um, (laughs) They, they yeah, did that's their best.
1: That sums it up. That sums it up.
0: I'm actually gonna go in a little bit of a different direction, but anyway, they did their best to try to convince uh the Republican voters that they were in fact uh better candidates than Donald Trump. Um Nikki Haley, I think, was trying to say, Oh, you know, Trump isn't a guarantee. He's pretty much a guarantee at this point. But then I started thinking, you know, we've been talking about Nikki Haley is running for VP versus running against Donald Trump. And it kind of got me thinking about, well, who could other candidates be? Um, And since I wasn't asked about my predictions for 2024, I'm going (laughs) to offer one, which is um, Donald Trump will select a woman as his running mate. Obviously, Donald Trump will get the nomination. Um, And then, you know, I put the odds at Nikki Haley at 70 percent, but I got 30 percent on Elise Stefanik, which I'm sure will make David extremely happy, given his, you know, his love for. I have a whole different
1: approach. Here's my idea. Okay, good. Let's make, you know, let's take one for the team. Let's. Make Clarence Thomas or at least Stefanik the president of Harvard. Now, bear with me here. You know, if Clarence Thomas leaves, then Biden gets to appoint somebody else to the court, right? That's a win. The Republican majority, another guy just said he was stepping down to become president of some university. So the Republican majority in the House is now 218 uh, or will be as of the end of this month. We just have to pick off a couple more. You get a Democrat majority. I think we should start pointing pointing a couple of these Republicans to the high court, you know, or, you know, if they step down and run with Trump, that's fine. Or they become the president of Harvard. There's an opening at Penn. I mean, you know, yeah, it's bad for Harvard and Penn, but nobody actually gives a shit about them and
0: we could save American democracy. What do you think? I think that's a great, a great idea. And, and in fact, (laughs) In fact, we we actually have the platform, so we, we could start the the rumor and just let it grow on X and other Clarence, social media platforms. Clarence Thomas to Harvard, President yeah, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Lee Stefanik to wherever.
1: Right. Like not no, exactly. not bad. No, let's, not. Let's, a, let's just pick them look, up. democracy's on man. the
0: line. Democracy's right, on dude. the line. That's the truth,
1: man. I just wrote a long op-ed to that effect. And we'll write more because you don't want to know something. Here's an insight into the 2020 election. There's only one issue. You may think there are other issues, health care, the environment, wars overseas. There's only one issue. It's democracy. There's only one way to preserve it because the courts aren't going to preserve it. The only way to preserve it is electing Joe Biden. And it can't be close because if it's close in a bunch of these other wonky states, they're going to fiddle the results. So it's got to be electioning him by a lot. And that means that every single day, when you have an impulse to say, you know, I wish this administration were doing it better, my advice to you, save it for next year. Don't talk about it. Don't do anything to undermine the chances of winning this election. Um, because if you don't, you may never get another chance again, and that's not an exaggeration. Oh boy, we're dealing with big issues here, Riley. I don't even know if you can keep up with this. What, like, what can you deliver?
2: As well, speaking of, yeah. yeah, speaking of Donald Trump, uh, the House Democrats released a 156-page report revealing that uh, Donald Trump's businesses received at least 7.8 million dollars from 20 foreign governments during his presidency. Uh with interestingly the majority coming from China, I believe it was five point five million came from China alone um so this document was produced by Democrats on the House oversight committee um and obviously, this is another example of every accusation is it admission uh, by the Republicans, given that this is kind of what they're trying to pin on Biden in their impeachment inquiry that so far has turned up no evidence um It details transactions with Trump properties by foreign governments as i mentioned china saudi arabia and others which is of course prohibited by the constitution uh, it is without, the constitution's yes. against this unsurprisingly what do they call those true.
1: things what do they call it when the foreign governments give money to the president uh you could call it
2: corruption you could call it uh, emoluments that's what foreign governments call yeah.
1: for. You call it emoluments and there's two clauses not one but two clauses in the constitution that prohibit emoluments being given out to the president of the United States. And we just sort of threw this out the window and Trump's like, I don't care. And, uh, and, you know, I saw some, you know, GOP, you know, defenders, commentators, Byron York going, Oh yeah, this is thin stuff. You know, it's just paying money to his company, but that's precisely what is prohibited by the constitution. It is precisely what is corruption. And you have to ask yourself, would the Chinese have given $5 million to the Trump International Hotel if they didn't think it was going to benefit them? They didn't do it before Trump was there. You know, they shifted the money to his hotel because they thought it would bring them a benefit or that there was a chance that would bring them a benefit. And because the United States left this out there as an opportunity for them. They saw this as a sanctioned way of influencing a senior U.S. government official, President of the United States. It's astonishing, but that's the reality.
0: What do you got, Chris? Sorry, but he wasn't running his company, so is, 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 isn't that... But he owns it. He
1: profits from it. And also... Do you actually believe he wasn't running a company? No, I'm just saying. I mean, that's, I'm just, I'm that's just lovely. Oh, I mean, that's lovely. You're, you're th- you know, I got a bridge to sell you that goes to Brooklyn. But I mean, yeah, I, sure, he wasn't. But the point was, if he has any beneficial interest in it, then it's corrupt.
0: Got it. So uh, Israel's defense minister has outlined uh, plans for the um, the offensive in Gaza, which is, you know, essentially continue to pound the shit out of Gaza. Um, But interestingly, also offered up a post-war scenario where, shockingly, uh, Hamas would no longer control the territory. Uh, Israel would have operational freedom. Um, Palestinian bodies would manage civilian affairs under specific conditions not really sure what specific conditions i think what first of all this is the cart before the horse um i i israel is not alone going to dictate what happens in gaza uh after uh, the i i i we we are going to be uh dealing with this um far far after israel leaves Gaza, and it's it is not going to be pretty. And the things that we're going to be reporting over the next several months uh, are going to be incredibly disturbing. Um, in any case, they're they're thinking ahead, I guess.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I I think you're right to view this with some degree of skepticism. Um, the The rumor, you know, the the informed buzz is that the Israelis will begin to wind down the current. Type of operations they've been running by the end of this month, but that they want to maintain the ability to go in for targeted operations, which is what they should have been doing all along uh, for the indefinite future. Uh, But what you heard from the defense minister was not, and then the Palestinians will get to control their own destiny. It was, we'll control the Palestinians' destiny and we'll give them a few little sops to give them the illusion that they have some control. That, of course, will produce major pushback around the world, as it should. Uh, And the reality is that there is not going to be a significant change towards uh, a stabilizing situation until not only is Hamas gone, and they must be gone, but that Netanyahu is gone. Uh, For those of you who have not yet listened to our podcast uh, done yesterday in which we spoke to Alan Pincus in Tel Aviv, and Corey Shaki joined me for that, uh, go listen to it. Because it, it it makes it quite clear that getting rid of Netanyahu and getting rid of his coalition, while essential, is not going to be easy. Uh, and, uh, you know, how that gets engineered is going to be crucial, not only to a good outcome there, but also to the United States being able to, you know, implement our objectives. As of right now, the Netanyahu government is an obstacle to... Peace and an obstacle to the United States achieving our foreign policy
2: objectives. Riley. Well, the U.S. military conducted a drone strike in eastern Baghdad, uh, which resulted in the killing of a leader of an Iran-aligned militia group. Uh, the Pentagon stated that he was involved in planning, executing attacks against American personnel, uh, and that they claiming that it was an attack in self-defense. Uh, no civilians were harmed, and no infrastructure facilities were damaged, um, and it's kind of in response to over 100 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria since the Israel and Hamas war began in October. But uh, the Iraqi prime minister's military spokesperson denounced the strike, as well as some Iranian-backed factions and militias um, that vowed revenge. So, you know, I think there's a lot of fear that this is going to be another escalatory action. Uh even given that it was in response to previous attacks. But again, i just kind of adding to fears over escalation in the Middle East. Um, And I think rightfully so.
1: Yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter, a well-known media figure, uh, get the shit beat out of them for saying, why do we accept that the U.S. has the right to do this? Um, And, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, can you imagine if we said, you know, f- uh, France today launched an attack against you know this foreign operative in this foreign country, or or Canada launched an attack, or Russia launched an attack, uh, you know, with a drone from a base that we permanently have inside of this country? Um, it's it's not it's not a pretty picture, and it suggests that you know to sort of normalize US policy in this part of the world is going to take a lot more than resolving Israel Gaza um we've got a lot of troops around the region uh and that puts them at risk and they will always be attacked and every time they're attacked we will have a big chorus in the United States saying we've got to go back after them um and this is just going to be an open wound um until we you know get beyond this and I, by the way i do note that in places you know in africa and elsewhere you do have france doing that you do have other countries doing that there are two tiers of countries in this world the ones that are allowed to police the planet to advance their interests and the ones who are condemned for it um, and uh, so long as that double standard exists uh, tensions uh, tensions will be high and there is no evidence whatsoever that that double standard actually makes the world a peace or a safe, more safe place. Chris?
0: A big reason to vote for President Joe Biden in the 2024 election is the team he has assembled um, is stellar. And, case in point, I'm pretty sure every time I read that uh, Secretary of State Blinken is heading to the Middle East, um, I feel a sense of. Uh, <laughs> calm, uh, despite what's going on because I don't um, believe that.
1: Cause I've known you for like 12 years or something like that. And you've never been calm. <laughs> but okay. It, relative calm, calm for you.
0: Yeah. No, I, and you know, he's going to, uh, obviously have meetings, um, in the region. There have been a lot of developments, not just in Israel, Um, but obviously in Beirut, and in Iraq, uh, in Iran. Um, And yeah, it is calming to have uh, a competent government in place. Um, I know that these messages are not necessarily hard to convey or easy to convey uh, to voters, but the fact of the matter is um, we actually have a foreign policy We actually have a domestic policy. We actually have a national security apparatus. We actually have a Justice Department. Um, And we did not have those things for four years. And yes, we survived. But can we for another four years without the likes of Blinken and and Jake Sullivan in, uh, in the administration?
1: Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's all relative and some people may think these are great people and other people may think they're just good people. Nobody can think that they are unqualified people or that they are not people who are working hard or they are not people who have the broader interests of the United States at heart. Uh, You can debate the policies, but you can't debate those things. Problem is that the Trump uh, administration, uh, you know, or the Trump team um, that wants to be in power has already said. They're going to only put in place people who are loyal to Trump. They're going to get rid of up to 50,000 civil servants who have sworn an oath to the Constitution because they are um, not considered to be loyal enough to Trump. They're going to put their opponents uh, in jail, uh, in camps. Uh, that's, That's kind of inflammatory, crazy language, right? But they've actually said it. You know, they've said that's what they're going to do. Um, and, uh, uh, and we have the uh, example of the last Trump administration where whenever they accidentally hired somebody who was competent, they immediately ran up into opposition from the close group of people, the coterie around Trump. Uh, and many of those people have subsequently said that the worst thing that could happen for the U.S., Is another Trump administration because there wouldn't be any quality people in it, and you know that's people like his former defense secretary, his former homeland security secretary, his former chief of staff, uh, his former secretary of defense, all saying that. So I don't think what you're saying is an exaggeration, Chris, and I think people need to take it to heart. And it's and you know and by the way, you know we've had discussions even on our own podcast this week whether statements like that are partisan. They're not partisan if they are straight statements of the facts. And to suggest that there is no difference between the parties and that both would put the right people uh, into office or credible, equally credible people into office is belied by the facts. And it is therefore deceptive. And we're not going to be deceptive
2: here at Deep State Radio. Riley. Riley. An update to uh, our story we covered yesterday about the uh, bombings in Iran that uh, killed nearly 200, or excuse me, nearly 100 people, uh, making them the bloodiest attacks there since the Islamic Revolution. Uh, There was speculation of who was responsible. Uh, The Islamic State has now claimed responsibility, and as a result, uh, Iranian security forces have arrested numerous people across the country uh, in connection to the attacks. Um, the interior minister announced the arrests, stating that the intelligence agencies had gathered uh, significant evidence uh, that these people were involved. It's hard to say uh, if that's true, um, or you know how much evidence they gathered, given uh, the opacity of that regime. But I, you know, I breathe a bit of a sigh of relief uh, learning that. Islamic State was responsible, as horrible as they are, it seems like this might not be the escalatory uh, event that I think a lot of people feared as soon as this was announced. Um, They've been responsible for attacks before, so it's not entirely surprising, but, you know, the scale of this is obviously horrific, Um, but it's good to see that they have started to find those responsible.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, if that is in fact the case, and it does not lead to escalation, it should not be shrugged off. It's still a sign of the divisions and instability in the region, although some regimes deserve instability more than others, the Iranians way up on top of that list. Um, uh, And, you know, to the extent that the Iranians and the Islamic State are in conflict with one another, good luck to them. Um, You know, I wish both sides great success. But having said that, um this is a region that is gonna fester for some time to come. That's it, guys. There's no good news stories. It's I mean, I guess it's Friday. That's something positive. And um uh you know, uh anything else that you wanna highlight here before we say ta ta for now?
0: I I don't have anything else to highlight today. I mean, I don't want to talk sports ball, you know, you know, because um, one know, of that our members—it just offends will, people. It just yeah, offends yeah, people.
1: Yeah. They're like, "Oh, how can you talk about uh, sports ball? We're nerds, and we don't, we don't, we're not interested in that kind of thing." Uh, but Riley's a nerd.
2: Do you have something else you want to add to this? Uh, sadly, I don't. It was a pretty bad news day. I couldn't find anything positive. Yeah, it was, it was, it was,
1: it was a rough day. But
0: it is Oscar Pistorius now. is out of jail.
1: Oh, that's
2: not
0: is that good a positive news. is that a
2: positive story? That's not good news. He murdered somebody.
0: It was an accident. Um, oh. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> oh my
1: no. God. Okay. I don't just want to go any further down this road. Uh thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Next week will be the first. Week of 2024 where we actually all work five days. Won't that be fantastic? Um, uh, I look forward to it. I'm sure you do too. Bye-bye.